So with that, uh, I want to introduce my lovely bride as she comes. Did, did you want this microphone, or I forgot to get you this one? Okay. Um, she comes to bring the word. Uh, faithful. Just one small word to describe her, but she's been so faithful. She's been so instrumental and key in my own personal growth. I know the growth for many of you. So I just encourage you to just receive the fullness of all that she's got for you this morning. Amen. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Casual loves romance. romance too romance is a good thing it uh, produced all of you amen (laughs) there's some sense of romance going on Um, and whatnot. but um, anyway that's special I I agree with you Jen um, about not participating. I, I totally get that. Open this for me. <laughs> Please. <laughs> the please comes after. <laughs> Anyhow. Oh, yeah, we don't want to do enough. Oh, this is like wobbly. No wonder uh, Apostle Jim was having issues with this. <laughs> and he was here. Thank you. But one of the declarations... Um, that is often on the top of my head is that we will thrive no matter what happens. Yeah. You know, whenever we're struggling with something, uh, whatever it is, we will thrive no, no matter what happens. And I've often said that a lot over the last couple months, you know. And I don't know, sometimes my first thought is when I hear, like, oh, the recession and this costs so much and the gas and this and that, and I'm like, well, we're all in this together. (laughs) We're not, you know, it's not just, they're picking on tea in the back row, you know, he's the only one who has to pay six bucks a gas, you know, a gallon for gas. No, we're all here, and not necessarily that we all have to suffer together per se, but the people of God are the ones who are going to rise up during this time. And that's what's happening is like people are starting to notice. Like when, you know, if you go in and you have an attitude that's different than misery, something changes. It does. You know, and that's, that's the grace of God on your life. That's, that's the love of God that he's poured out upon you. That's his Holy Spirit, you know, that he brings you into situations, he brings you into circumstances uh, in front of people who might be struggling, who don't have a positive word to say about anything, anytime, anywhere. We all have some of those people that we come across in life. But see, whether you realize it or not, you are a hope carrier, Within you dwells the Holy Spirit of God. Within you dwells Jesus. And you, I mean, it is 
proclaim that Jesus is the hope of glory. He is our hope. His whole story of the Passion Week and then going to the cross, going to the grave and rising up again, that's the theme of hope. Even though Bethel Church is struggling and I totally get that and we grieve with them, there is still hope on the other side. Benny's in heaven. (laughs) She's not sick. She's jumping around and she's having a good time. Say hi to my dad, would you? (laughs) I mean, if we dwell too much upon the things that are devastating and wrong and negative and it shouldn't be that way kind of thing in life, Yes, there, there's a period of, you know, you can acknowledge that. But do you stay there? No. Because our God has the final say. Our God sent Jesus to have the final say. He is the one who was victorious over the grave. And he is the one that brought us eternal life. And so even if this physical life ends, or when it does, not if, but when it does, we'll be sitting in glory. Amen? That was free. That wasn't even on my sermon notes. Wow, that's a Holy Spirit moment. Whoa. So it's really good to be here in front of you this morning. Um, Honestly, it's been a challenge the last couple weeks, actually the last month, uh, for different reasons. I've been battling a health issue, but um, I'm finally on some medicine, and God's healing me, and I'm totally good with all that. And it's nothing for anybody to panic about, because I've already panicked for myself. (laughs) But God has, what I'm sharing today is the fruit of what I've been going through over the last two weeks. Okay, so he's he's good. I'm good. Pastor Fred and I are good. It's all good. So, anyway. um, So I wanted to share with you, as I was... Initially, I was slated to preach next week, and uh, Pastor Fred asked me midweek, he's like, can you preach this week? And I was like, "Uh, I don't know, but I'll try and I'll pray about it. And um, the Papa said, yeah, you need to do it. And I was like, okay. Okay. And so there's been an honest struggle that was going on when I was preparing for this morning's word. And God and I were having this dialogue yesterday. And so this is what I said. I said, God, I just want to avoid doing this. Like doing my sermon. Don't want to do it. I want to avoid it. Because all I do, God, is repeat myself. (laughs) That's what I think. (laughs) 
And God said, Papa said, you know what? Repetition is the key to mastery. A master doesn't become one by doing something one time. Only I can do that, meaning God. He's the only one who can do that. He's the master. He said to me, a master here on the earth needs training and knowledge and wisdom. There's a lot of ants here in practice <laughs> and testing to be great at what they do. To become a master of heaven, you need to allow me to train you, to educate you, to trust my wisdom, to practice my ways, and be tested in ways that make you a powerful, unstoppable force for my kingdom. If kingdom living is what you desire, then you must renew your mind, your heart, and my and your spirit with my kingdom principles. So let me just say that's what we're going today. That's what we're going after today. Because I know that that piece of mastery wisdom from the Father wasn't just for me. It's for each one of you. You've heard me say this before, and I it, it's the God honest truth and it's repetitive. <laughs> God repeats himself often in his word because he wants us to get it. Fear not, be strong and courageous. My love endures forever. And the list goes on. He often repeats himself. Because let's face it, if you're anything like me, often you don't remember the first time, only hearing things one time. If you got distractions going on and things are a little bit crazy and nutso, you don't remember. I know I don't. There's a reason that he wants you to get the messages that he's sending you. It's because he wants it to become part of who you really are, part of like that identity piece. And so going after kingdom principles, going after becoming a master of heaven, that's what we're going to go after today. So Father, we just are so grateful for who you are, God. And we are going to allow you to align our spirits with your spirit, God. And as we do that, we will become a force that can't be stopped. Because, Father, we want to be those masters of heaven. We want to be, Lord, those vessels that you use to bring your glory and to bring your kingdom here on this earth. Because, God, I know that you've placed each one of us in a different place. We are not all in the same places and, and meeting the same people, God. But you are sending us forth into the land. To do what it is that you have for us. To meet the people that you have in store for us. And to spread our testimony of your faithfulness to them. 
So we thank you, Jesus, for who you are. And may you be glorified in each one of us. And I pray, Father, that as the word comes forth today, that it would hit people in the right spaces, in their hearts, in their minds, in their spirits, God. Because it's what you have for them today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, the word of the Lord today, we're going to be camping in Psalm 23, verses 4 and 5. And um, I'm going to read two translations for you. One's more familiar, you know, that you've heard often. Often it's a scripture that you hear at a funeral service. <laughs> but even though that might be the case, it, it's still something that's valid and it, it doesn't just serve that purpose alone. God's word, sometimes it gets pigeonholed into certain times of life, so to speak, which is always good, but there's always more. So I'm gonna I'm gonna first read um, Psalm 23, four and five out of the Amplified, and then I'm gonna read it from the Passion Translation. So the Amplified says, "Even though I walk through the sunless valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod to protect and your staff to guide, they comfort and console me." You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed and refreshed my head with oil. My cup overflows. And in the Passion Translation, this is the one that I have up here on the side. It says, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me for you already have. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. And you give me all I can drink of you until my cup overflows. can honestly say that they're facing or you're in a dark place right now. I'm raising my hand. You don't have to raise your hand. But if you're in a dark place, you know you're in a dark place. And if you don't know you're in a dark place, sometimes the people you love know you're in a dark place and they may be telling you you're in a dark place. And I don't say that in terms of condemnation or accusation, okay? But we all go through stuff. Sometimes it's a health issue, sometimes it's finances, sometimes it's relationships. Sometimes we're struggling 
with demons from our past life, you know, from different things going on in our in our past or even in our present. You can be oppressed by them. And sometimes it just feels like you might be in a pit that you can't climb out of. All right? And we all have those moments. And, you know, like I said, I've this sermon comes out of where I've been over the past two weeks. But let me just say there is hope. But by yourself, you cannot climb out alone. With the help of Jesus, Holy Spirit, and God, you will find a way out. That's what this psalm is talking about. And if you've been in a valley experience, I believe that Papa wants to overshadow you with his great love and his mercy, and he desires so much for you to be close to him. So much for you to be close to him. And so, he placed upon my heart two questions to ask you. And I typically am not a question asker. My husband's the question asker. (laughs) He's a good question asker. Because God gives him great questions that are thought-provoking. And um, get information from people that... You don't necessarily, he probably would do well with maybe the FBI or the CIA or something like that. <laughs> Not that you can't talk to Pastor Fred, you know, from now on. And if he starts asking you questions, be suspicious. But you know what I'm saying? God has a way of using him to ask good questions. Anyway. Papa's questions to you this morning are this. Who are you trusting in? And who's, that's the first question. And the second question is, whose table are you feasting at? has good questions. (laughs) So, let's go back to verse 4. Who are you trusting in? Even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. you're like me, but I kind of get into those things, uh, what I think they're called acronyms. You know, where you have a word, and then for every letter of the word, there's another word that means something to this. So I decided to look up different acronyms for fear. And people are weird. (laughs) 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 Well, it's just like, okay, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna share you with with you the oddest one that I that I found because I was just like, how in heaven does this even mean anything? So, okay, felines enraged about rodents. <laughs> now, if you don't know what a feline is, that's a cat. A cat. And most rodents are not are mice, so this would be like a, a saying for Tom and Jerry. <laughs> Felines are enraged about rodents. Who who thinks of that? Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I I just had to share that because it was it was crazy. One of the ones, though, that I'm sure you've probably heard of often are these two, of fear. False evidence appearing real or facing face everything and rise. So there's two, two sides to that. So my question in asking you, who are you trusting in? When when the path takes us through the valley of deep darkness and fear may come upon, uh, upon us, what stands out for me in this phrase, or in this verse, and this is the thing that I've caught on to for the last two weeks. Is fear will never conquer me for you already have. And so for dwelling within God and trusting him, then anything that comes against us will not be. So in terms of who are we trusting in, are you trusting in the God of the universe, your Papa who is for you, who desires for you to prosper, to be healthy, and to be whole and to be blessed? Or do you trust in your enemy that doesn't care about you and wants doom and destruction for your life? That's what fear does. And I'm not here to tell you that I've got it all perfect. Okay, there are many times that I you know, was struggling and people would come to me and say, how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just keeping my eyes on Jesus because I don't know what else to do because I'm in a lot of pain and I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) We all have pains. Some of them are not physical. Some of them are spiritual. Some of them are emotional. Some of them are mental. Some of them are physical, and you can't always, even if you have a physical issue, you can't always see it with somebody. Case in point, me. (laughs) Unless you see the pain and anguish on my face, then, you know, that's a different thing. But (laughs) So we all go through different things, and we all experience shitty stuff. And if we focus on the shitty stuff versus 
Jesus, then that's how we're all going to see. We're going to see our lack. We're going to feel our lack. We're going to feel like crap. Because that's all what fear, that's all what the enemy wants us to do. So let this verse kind of sink into your spirit. Because fear will never conquer us, for God already has. So it doesn't matter to what extent your valley takes you. If you stumble, if you have issues, if you struggle with keeping your eyes on Jesus, I get it. You're you're not alone. And that's the main thing, you know, if from getting from my message today is that you are not alone and you were never meant to be. And this isn't a necessarily a thing of, of works, like, oh, i got to keep my eyes on Jesus. If I don't keep my eyes on Jesus, then things are going to go horrible. Yeah, it may happen, but it's not that. It's a willingly surrender, like, okay, I have a choice here. Do I choose to have some hope or do I choose to have none? So let me just say to you, if this speaks something to your heart or to your spirit and you're just like, whoa, I got some stuff to deal with. Let me say that this is not an accusation. This is a wake up call. It is not an accusation. It is a wake-up call for something to happen and for you to do something, for God to do something. For you, you know, whether you realize it or not, Pastor Fred and I are still working on ourselves with God. You know what I'm saying? We are not the same people that we were even a month ago, a year ago, five years ago. 20 years ago. You wouldn't want to know it's 20 years ago. <laughs> no, 20 years ago we got saved. I think we were on our way to good things. But um, 30 years ago, you not that we were horrible people. But we weren't healed. We had no business, you know, ministering to people. Sometimes we don't have any business doing it now, but <laughs> no. But His grace is is <laughs> is good. Grace it covers everything. Grace. No, but anyway, you you get what I'm saying. So when I say wake up call, that's what that's my point. Is that we all have stuff to deal with. And if we've dealt with it, we then become the hope for those who have none. And you could say, you know what? I had that same issue. I had something real similar happen in my life. And this is how God helped me through. And I know he can do the same thing for you. Your trial or test becomes your testimony. Remember how they say you can't have the test without a testimony, or you can't have the testimony without the test. There you go. It's good. I mean, not that 
<laughs> trial is good, but he works it all for our good and for somebody else's good. So that second half of verse four where it says your authority is my strength and my peace and the comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely for you are near. That's very poetic there. Some rhyming going on. I didn't I just noticed it right now. <laughs> so Papa's authority, his power and command over the enemy. Receiving his guidance to stay on the path. Just as a shepherd does for his sheep. Because we didn't know this, King David wrote the psalm, being a shepherd boy. And so as we rely upon God's authority to be our strength and peace, it's in him alone where we can find it. Strength and peace. There is no one more powerful, more loving, more forgiving than our Papa. And in his love is in the is the very best place to be. And as we get a full recognition of that, of a loving father that would go to lengths, extreme lengths, to restore us to him, to show us kindness and mercy, to give us sonship and daughtership. And that reassurance that we would never be alone, he gave us Jesus. And so in Romans 8, verses 31, starting in verse 31, 32, it says, so what does all this mean? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me, then who could ever stand against us? For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. In verse 35 in in Romans 8, it says... Who could ever divorce us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love toward us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to become, to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, and death threats? Verse 37, yet even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors. And his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. His demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. Jesus is our victory. See, being seated in heavenly places is our victory. 
all the crap and all the things that the enemy tries to pull on us are under our feet. If we're seated in heavenly places and we're warring, you know, we're warring from heavenly places. So dwelling in his presence. Being reminded of his love. Being open to receiving his love through other people. You know, sometimes one of the hardest things that you can hear from people is the truth. And a friend who tells you the truth in love, even though it may be difficult to hear, is a true friend. So, who are you trusting in? The second question is, whose table are you feasting at? You have two choices. You have Satan's table, or you have Papa's table. God's. Yes, which which place do you want your reservation to go? God's. Yeah, God's. So what happens when you join in with the enemy and let him be the Lord of the feast? Let me just say it's not a good meal. (laughs) What you take in you will become what comes out of you. (laughs) I had these thoughts of having a nice poop emoji. (laughs) But I didn't do it. But you guys get the drift. So if you're feasting at Satan's table... You might be feasting on some of these foods of mistrust and unforgiveness and bitterness and suspicion and shame and guilt, pride or victimhood. I'm calling that the destructive diet, the DD. And so if you feed on your destructive diet, these things actually become part of your spirit, part of your soul. You know, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so such to the extent that it manifests, it can manifest physically in your body. Our destructive diet will hinder you in your daily ability to function and to be successful and live life well. It will. So in verse 5, when it says, You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my cup overflows. And that verse brings a picture to my imagination. That all the things of God are so good to feast upon. 
the things of God that that are good, of love and mercy and freedom and forgiveness and grace and strength and peace. So much that as I'm feasting on those things, my enemies that surround me They're just kind of like taking this, you know, if you can imagine being seated at a table and they're sitting here kind of like this, you know, but then all of a sudden when the feasting comes, it's kind of like, whoa, they kind of step back a little bit. Whoa. Because they don't know what to do with that. So when we feast on at Papa's table, I'm calling this one the Jesus diet, our enemy is neutralized and cannot overwhelm us. As we feast on his goodness and invite the presence of Holy Spirit to anoint us and to drink for him from his cup, he alone satisfies us. He alone will satisfy our thirst. And it says that you give me all I can drink until my cup overflows. That doesn't mean just enough to wet your mouth or to wet your lips. (laughs) I don't know why this is coming to me right now, but when I was growing up, there used to be a commercial for Shasta Pop or Shasta Soda soda or something. And it showed this guy walking in the desert, dying of thirst. He comes into this corral and uh, he's his lips are all parched and he's struggling and all he wants to prove that Shasta drink is so good he, he comes up and he says I need a bag of potato chips. <laughs> so he's adding more saltiness and more dryness to his current circumstance. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes this can of Shasta Pop (laughs) to refresh him after he's gone to the depths of depravity and being thirsty. God doesn't give you just enough to wet your mouth and rinse down your potato chips. Now, he gives you more. He gives you more than you ask for. Gin overflows. How cool is that? He alone will satisfy you. So, whose table are you sitting at? Satan's or God's? So if you find yourself struggling and being at Satan's table, or even 
not necessarily just feasting at Satan's table alone, but finding yourself in a spot where you're like saying to yourself, I can't do it. I can't do it alone. My answer to that is praise God (laughs) because you can't. You can't do it alone. And so that's why it's so important that you need the body of Christ. If you can't get to God's table, have your friends or family take you there. That's often what I had to do over the last couple weeks. I was struggling with Satan's table, with his menu, considering those options. And there were many times I had to reach out to friends and family and say, I need you to pray for me because I'm fearful about this. I need you to pray for me because I have no hope this is going to get better because it hurts so much. I need you to pray for me because I'm feeling shameful for the thing that I'm experiencing that it was all my fault. (laughs) And I'm embarrassed to go to the doctor for it. I stand before you as a testimony of his faithfulness. And I know I'm not the only one. So be open. Get your family and your friends to take you to Papa's table. Sometimes you gotta swallow a warped sense of pride <laughs> and dignity. <laughs> Sometimes share with them, the people who you care about, the people who care about you. Share uh, with them about what parts of the Jesus diet aren't working. <laughs> I'm sorry, of the Satan's diet that aren't working. But you want to get from your friends and family the Jesus things, the Jesus parts that are working. And what I mean by that is have them share with you a a word, a a scripture verse from his word, a sermon that that really has spoken to them, a, a worship song, a book, a truth declaration. A TV show, something that is speaking to them that you can also piggyback off and and feed as well. Because that's how we help each other. I mean, there's been many times you guys have come to me and I've prayed for you. Let me just say the power of prayer is so good. And it's so powerful. And it's so needed. So as I end, um, I'm going to have Pastor Fred play a song for me. And this is a song that has been ministering to me off and on for the last year. And it's, it's called God Turn It Around.